I don't think I said that properly, did I? We went to worship. I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's not, that was good. Sorry, we went to worship. So, good morning. Um, how are you feeling this morning? Yeah. Okay. You, you can. You, you have to go. It's, it's, a, it's a binary question. It's a binary question. Okay. You're either feeling good or bleh. Okay. All right. Um, turn to someone next to you and say, "Hey, I'm feeling bleh. How are you? Go on, do it briefly." If you don't know them, say hello to them. Make sure you know who they are. It's good. Um, I'm some some of you. I feel, in a way, that you're my like my support network for my various projects and things. Okay, uh, after, uh, after Christmas, um, I was in church, the other ch- the building, and the I mean, to be honest, it's better than nice sermon vicar stuff on the way out. But almost every question I got on the way out was about bathrooms. <laughs> I, I feel somehow I've shared my life with you about this. Anyway, my, cu- my current project is re- redoing my camper van, and I feel good because I've got the first bit of wood back in my camper van. <sighs> There's a lot more to do. There's a lot more to do, but I feel I, I, I feel good because that's like a, uh, uh, yeah. Well, it's my. Do you have things like this? Do you have things where like something physical becomes like emotionally attached to you? Who who gets that sometimes? I mean, I get it about things. Like, I mean, it's, it's, when I go away in it to go climbing, it's like my little home, my little shell. Do you know what I mean? I feel all sort of snugly and warm. I feel snugly and warm with Alison as well, of course. Said quickly, but <laughs> whew, close. And and uh, and I was thinking about it actually. I was thinking because actually, in a sense, it's only a thing. And you know, if it if it if I can't mend it, it goes. It's fine. Um, but there are things that somehow it linked to us emotionally. They become like security things for us. And uh, and of course, absolutely, we know that we find our security in absolutely in God and His promises and what He's done for us. But it, it is it is part of, I don't know, is it something that's sort of part of the fallen nature that we sort of tend towards finding security in other stuff? And, and, and I, you know, I mean, it's okay. It's all right. It's, not, it's a lovely camper van. You can come and, sh- come and have a cup of tea with me sometime. Those who celebrate, now I, that's the last time I used it properly, actually, before it started leaking and falling apart. And uh, it's a lovely little thing. But it's not, it's not a, it shouldn't be absolutely a security thing. Do you get that or not? Where's it going? Well, this is going into John 3. And I want to say some stuff about, I think in the end, about where our security is. That's where it's going to land. As this talk gets towards talking about security and where you find it, you know I'm coming into land. I want to tell you that up front in case you get asleep and tired in the middle. Okay? Where's It's not funny. People do. Yeah, I fall asleep in my own sermons sometimes. Right, on the screen. Words on screen. In fact, actually, I was, I was actually once doing a youth thing. I thought, oh my word, this is boring. I've got to stop. I was talking. But I, I was, we just did come. Oh, there we go. There we go. Big and bold. So we're, we're talking about John. We've gone back. We've done some three things on vision. Uh, last three weeks. Just give 30 seconds. Let your minds float back into what Laurie said. Week one. Think of the card on your fridge. Uh, what Vicky said week two about living there now. Um, what I said last week, activate equals believe, claim and do. Summarize it, yep. 
And we've gone from that, uh, which is that's going to live with us all year, I hope. We've gone back into looking at John, which we were before, and we're going to continue. I want to say a few things first. In the beginning of this, I want to do a few, like, just laying out about John's gospel things, which I don't think we really did when we started it, because we started it at Christmas with that amazing thing about the word in John 1. And I want to say that as you read John, I hope you will read and study the book as we do it uh, in sermons as well, um, uh, this, this term. As you look at John's Gospel, I just want to say a couple of things about what helps me with it. Firstly, uh, John, John's Gospel has a chronology. I like chronologies. I like things in order. I'm a spreadsheet person, as you know. You know, A2 and A3 should be that way around, all right? In a spreadsheet, those who know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, And John's Gospel has got chronology. I don't think the other Gospels have. I think the other three Gospels, synoptics they call them, uh, all sort of linked together, but, but they don't really worry too much about... It's only from John's Gospel you get the idea that Jesus taught for three years. Whereas you could easily read Mark's Gospel and think it was like a, a brief, you know, stuff, and then the last week. Um, so I think that helps me. And that comes up, uh, the three Passovers, um, chapter 2, 13, 5, 1, and 12, 1, if you want to know where they are, when you listen to the tape. If you're doing it live, you probably won't do that, but if you're listening to the recording, uh, then that's where they are, the three markers. And in John's Gospel, there are these signs, big signs, that point to the truth who Jesus is. There's always a reaction to the signs. Each sign has a reaction to it. People largely reject him because of the signs. That's the response of of the community is in, of the Jewish people, to to the truth of the kingdom. And if you look at uh, this gospel, there is something about it which is... the very early church writers called it um, more spiritual. I don't think that's true at all. But here is it, John has laid, as Jesus, as he says at the end himself, near to the breast of Jesus. He's he's lived this, and it's come probably towards the end of his life. I don't know that, but that's what we think. But he's lived and walked with Jesus, and it's not just the facts he records. It's it's sort of what it means. And 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 there is an element. And sometimes you know you read bits of John's Gospel, and it goes from what is clearly reporting speech of what someone said into John's comment, and you can't tell where the gap is. Do you get that? It just like goes in, you'll see it here actually, I think. But that's okay. That's okay. Because because John is, you know, John is by the Spirit telling what Jesus did and what it means. He says at the end, he wrote this stuff, so that you might believe. I'm going to, at risk of getting in trouble with with, um, with my learned English friend, Dr. Baldwin, on the left-hand side. Are you formally that yet or not? Okay, fine. Forget it then, I don't care. Uh, <clears throat> if you, and don't read this, do not do this. Um, it's very long and mostly boring. But I'm going to read a little bit of uh, Death in the Desert by uh, Browning. Do you want to read one of those poems? Here it goes. It's John talking, but in a poem, remember. In Patmos Isle, I was not bidden teach, but simply listen, take a book and write, nor set down other than the given word, with nothing left to my abutment, whatever that is. Since much that at first in deed and word lay simply and sufficiently exposed, had grown, or else my soul was grown to match, fed through such years, familiar with such light, guarded and guided, still to see and speak, of new significance and fresh result, what first was were guessed as points, I now knew as stars, 
and named them in the gospel I have writ. But men said, it's getting long ago. Where is the promise of his coming? Asked these young ones in their strength, as loath to wait. Of me, who, when their sires were born, was old, I for love, I, for, sorry, I for I loved them, answered joyfully, since I was there and helpful in my age. And in the main, I think such men believed. Is that bit he says about, I, I hope it's true of us, what were first guessed as points I now knew as stars. Do you get that? Do you get that about understanding Jesus? You like get stuff, ooh, get that point. And then so, as you, as you, the more you live it, it more it becomes a, live, a, a big thing. More it becomes alive in us. John's gospel, for me, it is the one that I find myself sort of most at home in. Where I find that sense of, and so I encourage you to read it. To read it intellectually, but to read it prayerfully. To read it under Holy Spirit. And let the words speak to you. Because they are the words of God through John telling us about Jesus. And this bit's all about it. Well, it doesn't start there. Let's bring this back to the text now. That's my intro. This is back to the text. Here we go. Uh, this is, uh, so where's Jesus gone? Jesus, if you know the story so far, uh, the sort of technical story in John's Gospel, because it's a chronology, he's um, been at Bethany, met some disciples, been baptized, Holy Spirit thing. He's gone to Galilee uh, with the disciples, um, done the water to wine thing in Galilee. Uh, he's come back to Jerusalem. What's the first thing he does in Jerusalem? This is not a test, but I will expect the right answer. Yeah, oh, good, 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 good. Yeah, right. Go back and read it. Uh, he goes in the temple and does the thing in the temple, overturn the tables, right? Yep. Real statement. And the Jewish people say, whoa, what, what, what authority is this by? Big discussion in Jerusalem, uh, still in Jerusalem in Nicodemus, something about new birth. And then the text says, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside. So there's a sense here, and it goes, after this we'll go to Galilee, by the way, a sense of going to Jerusalem declaring something or other, and then because of opposition, moving sort of slowly away. And here he is in the Judean countryside, where with them and baptized, um, uh, technically, I think, if you read the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 2, it actually says Jesus didn't baptize, his disciples baptized. But, okay, but whatever. And that, of course, will be a baptism, rather like John's, I guess, for people coming saying, I want to respond to what he's saying. It won't be a Christian baptism yet, in any sense at all, because, of course, it's before all that happened. Now, John also was there at Anion near Salim. I like that, by the way, because th- these words, if you tr- sort of, the meaning of them is something like fountains near peace. All right? Um, <laughs> and I quite like the fact that John was there and Jesus was there and his disciples and they're both baptizing and fountains like, you know, water and near peace. That's Jesus, amen? Isn't that lovely? Anyway. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, good. Keep going. Because there was plenty of water and the people constantly constantly coming to be baptized this is before john was put in prison that's fairly obvious but that's probably a helpful thing um uh, if john was in prison and still baptizing that'd be brilliant of course but um, that's not the case so uh, sometimes there are like sometimes you think why is that there never mind an argument developed between what some of John's disciples and a certain Jew keep going over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Now, of course, that's true. And John 
could have been a bit fell up about that, I suppose. And that's why people said to it, no doubt. His disciples, who were John followers, said, Woo, hang on, everyone's going to Jesus. John, of course, is the pointer. His whole thing is to point to Jesus. At this stage, he's still completely got that. It looks like when he was in prison for a time, he wasn't quite sure. But here he's got it. His whole mission is to point to Jesus. And you can take stuff out of that. Oh, that my life points to Jesus in who I am, in what I do, in what I say. Just that I am appointed a people to see Jesus. Amen? I mean, I, I, don't, I know it doesn't work, but that's what I want to be. In that sense, I want to be like John the Baptist. In one sense, I don't want to be like him because he died and got his head cut off and stuff. But, you know, no, sorry, also because he didn't really know the truth of the Holy Spirit. He's Old Testament. But I want to be appointed to Jesus. A man can only recently give, oh, sorry, John replied, a man can receive only what is given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. Just hold that a second. What does he mean by only receive what's given to him by heaven? Well, he's an Old Testament prophet. He says what God has given him to say. There is something about him receiving a word and giving it out. I suppose it's true in general sense for us. You know, I, I, I mean, I can only sort of help teach stuff that I've got already. It doesn't anything, anything helpful, anything kingdom building, anything that's really going to build the kingdom doesn't come from, from me. It comes from heaven to get. I mean, it goes through me and it comes in my shape, but it's what God gives. Because in the end of the day, this stuff is revelation. We, we don't, we don't, well, we do sort of work it out, but it comes from revelation, then we try and think, what's that mean? But it's revelation. And, and John, John, he's Old Testament. Old Testament, it's, you know, odd people at odd times get these words rather than the whole of God's people. But it's revelation. He's heard from God and he's done it. So I can only give what he says. He says, you know, that's good. Good place to start, by the way. I'm um, not the Christ. Uh, he said, ahead of him, keep going. Uh, the, bar, the bride <laughs> belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. Use this picture, this metaphor uh, of, uh, similarly, I suppose, of, of, of I'm, Jesus is like the bridegroom and I'm like the best man. And at a wedding, the best man does a lot of stuff, but he is not the prime player. His job there is to make it easy for the, for the bridegroom. John's got a great attitude there. Again, which I think we need sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes for us, I think, it comes not so much in a me or Jesus, but a my way or Jesus way. Sometimes it comes, this attitude that John avoids, and we have to learn not to avoid it as well, can creep in by wanting what we do for Jesus to be blessed not jesus himself as long as jesus names uplifted i don't care how it goes through do you get this i may have prayed for this person for years faithfully and someone else says a word and they become a christian bless jesus not why didn't you use me god i may as i am at this moment give this unbelievably powerful sermon and everyone thinks and falls asleep and falls asleep, and then someone stands up and says, just, you know, Johnny comes and plays a chord, and everyone goes, on the floor. 
So <laughs> there may be another another church, another ministry. We've got to be careful. In the end, we can only give what we give from heaven. Amen. And we point to Jesus, and it's His glory. And he's got to increase and grow. His kingdom has grow. And it's not to do with our little stuff. It's to do with his kingdom. If we walk in step with the spirit, then we should be in the same place. That's how I meant. But anyway, John's good. The, uh, but that, joy, that joy is mine. His joy is there because Jesus is increasing. And the kingdom's coming. Next verse. Get the half bit in a minute. And now it's complete. He must get greater. I must become less. Now, this is where I think you can't tell where it goes from John the Baptist to John the Apostle. The one who comes from above is above all. Who's the one from above? So Jesus is, uh, again, he's making that statement that God, Jesus is not of earth in one sense. He is fully man, but he's also fully God. In one sense, he is the, he is, his person here in the, in the Jordan with disciples baptizing is consistent with who he was before the creation of the world and is now in heaven. He's from above in that sense. He is unbelievably special. He's not just good, he's brilliant. He's like a different category. The one who is from earth belongs to earth and speaks as one from the earth. I mean, he's referring to himself, but I suppose in a way, us too. It's especially true of John because he is before the giving of Holy Spirit. He's an Old Testament prophet. Jesus says, Matthew 11 again, 28 maybe. Have you got Bibles? No, you can't check. Good. Matthew 28. Um, about the 11.28, sorry. Uh, Jesus says, no one born of woman is greater than John, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Because you have Holy Spirit. You, you are more alive to Holy Spirit in hearing God's word than John the Baptist was. Because he's in the Old Testament dispensation. He's a great bloke, but he's that point when the Spirit's given to individuals individually for certain tasks. Whereas we live this life, this resurrected life, where, where we're alive in God's presence and we can hear God's word. Well, keep going. That's where it's going to come. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. Go back a second. Sorry. Sorry, boys. Uh, speak as one from earth. The, that's the one I missed. Keep going. The one who comes from heaven is above all. Okay, obviously. Obviously, but this whole service, I think, is about focusing on Jesus. And, and, and as I walked here this morning praying, I just sort of think, Lord, this is like pretty basic stuff. Sorry. It's also pretty important stuff. The focus on Jesus. And maybe the vision stuff is great, but maybe sometimes, yeah, it's about Jesus. The one who comes from heavens above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. Now, I want to ask you a question here. Uh, he's, what he's seen and heard, when did he, this is Jesus, Jesus testifies to he, what he's seen and heard. When did he see and heard it? When did he see and hoard it? That's the one. When did he see and hear it? That's it. 30 seconds. Turn to the person next to you. When did he see and hear it? Answer the question to keep you awake. When did Jesus see and hear it? When he heard it, but when did he see and hear it? It's gone very quiet, it's good. I think there's no right answer, but I'd be interested to know what you do. I think the two possible answers you might come up with are, you might have come up with, in heaven before the creation of the world, or you might come up with, while he was on earth, living as a man and praying with his father. Who wants to go in heaven before the creation of the world? 
who wants to go as he walked in Galilee talking to his father. See, I think that is primarily where it is. I don't know, but I want to put it out there that Jesus laid aside his rights as the pre-existent son of God to be born as a baby, as a man. He is from heaven, oh man, but he doesn't, in a sense, claim anything special. He just lives like you and I can live in the power of the Spirit. But he does it perfectly. Right? Man such as us, but without sins, Hebrew says. See, I think Jesus heard this stuff. It's from heaven, amen. And he is from heaven, amen. But I think it's what he's heard of God as he walks and lives. He's uh, 30 years, well, perhaps 20 years since he was in the temple at 12, to hear what God said. And, and the difference between Jesus, <laughs> lots of differences, between Jesus and us, one, he is from heaven, amen. But, but on earth, when he's on earth living as a man on earth, the difference isn't really in the gift of the Spirit, it's in the reception of the gift of the Spirit. It's the fact he's without sin. It's not that he... I want to assert, and if I'm getting stuck here with words, but I want to assert he is awesome. He's unbelievably... He's above everything. There is no comparison. He is the eternal Son of God. He was there at the beginning of the world, and he's in heaven now. And Woo! It's, uh, but he is also here, when we meet him in the story, he's a bloke. Like you and me, except without sin. And the access to Holy Spirit inspiration isn't... You, sometimes you can think, I, I, I just love reading the story of Jesus. He's never, he's never surprised by things. He's never, he doesn't ever seem to be, oh, not today. He never seems to drop things on his feet and not swear. Or stub his toes. Life is, he's like in control. And, and things happen, and it's like as if he's always, always on the front foot. Do you get that or not? Read the stories. It's just, it's just, it just blows my mind. And I don't think he, I don't think, honestly, he, he like had a download from God every day of what to do. He just lived it in the spirit. So I think what he's seen and heard is unbelievable. It's, it's 100% because he's 100%. And what I see in here is 0.073% on a good day because it comes through me. Do you get me? Let's go on. No one accepts his testimony. Well, no one's slight hyperbole. Hyperbole, is that right again? I keep using you as my hyperbole. You know, some people accepted it, but basically the whole society, the, the community of, of believing people in the Jews uh, rejected it. The man who has accepted it is so is it still John talking? Is it John talking? Say yes. Yeah. Which John? No idea. Is it Holy Spirit talking? Good. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is has certified that God is truthful. Oh my word. <laughs> Don't be in the place where you're arguing with God, okay? <laughs> it's quite good. If God says it's true, then like, yeah, that's right. Next sentence. Four. The one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the Spirit without limit. Okay. Let's rest on this a second. The one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Who is that primarily about? Jesus. For God gives the Spirit without limit. Now, in the text, 
the God there, the second God, isn't there. It says, for he gives the spirit without limit. And it's a matter of in, sort of interpretation of God, whether the he is God or Jesus. Is it talking about God giving the spirit to Jesus without limit, or that Jesus gives the spirit without limit? A, as the NIV translates it, God gives, i.e. to Jesus. B, that Jesus gives it without limit to us. A or B? Sorry? Yeah, good. You've learned. Yeah, I think it's, tr- I think it's true. Whether John intends that entirely, you've got to remember this is spirit-inspired stuff. Whatever was actually said by John the Baptist, it wasn't said in Greek for a start. Said in Aramaic, almost certainly. Spirit is bad stuff. And there's a truth there. If you know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't made a commitment, a life commitment to Jesus, then please do it after the end of this talk. Come and pray with us. You start there. Get to the point where you, where you say, Lord, I, I, want, I, I believe in you. I want to follow you. Come into my life. I'll give you my life. When you certify that God is truthful, when you see the truth is in Jesus, and you say, yeah, I acknowledge that, and I walk with that, then do it. But once you've done that, God gives his Holy Spirit. The giving of his Holy Spirit is never faulty. The receiving of it can be. I don't think God gives, sort of half gives the Holy Spirit. Do you know what I mean by that? The gift is always... The gift. Like I say, I think we sometimes, well, we get it fully. But I don't live in that, walk in that. The stuff that I have, the old bit of me, gets in the way sometimes. In, in hearing that and understanding that and walking that. But I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow into that. And the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Is that over bold to apply that to ourselves Jesus absolutely God sent him he speaks the words of God not just like approximately but totally absolutely do you get it his, his, when, he, when he does a parable it's, it, it, is, it is out of time the best illustration you're going to find of that truth it's done in earthly terms but it comes from heaven when he says I'm the way the truth of life it's not like a pro- it's absolute You see, each of us can hear what God says and speak the words of God. That word of God may be a word of encouragement to someone. It may be, in my case, in the last two weeks, a couple of times when I've just sent an Insta post to someone. And it's more the timing that's been important than the words. But I sense that. I want to be. I want to walk more in that. I want to walk more in that. Father, after Son has placed everything in His hands, whoever here we go. Next line. Whoever believes in the Son, ha- oh, sorry, actually, we'll go back. I was done too late. I want to you fill it in. Whoever believes in the Son has. We've been hurt by the translations that sometimes translate that as everlasting life, and it, it is that in a sense, but it's much more a quality of life than a length of life. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Now, it's not will have eternal life. It's not will 
get there eventually, although there is a sort of truth, it being perfect eventually, but there is now, has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see God's, sorry, will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. I don't want to lose that entirely. Sometimes, I think in the 21st century church, we, we, we get light on the truth. There's the gospel purpose Jesus came to save and to bring people back to God and make them alive in the spirit. But the other side of that is they reject him. There remains nothing but judgment because God's wrath remains on the sin. And it, yeah, I think we as a church sometimes get edgy about that in saying it. But the truth, I'm afraid, it's the truth. The gospel's purpose, its right purpose, is to save people. But also in doing so, it makes it clear if you haven't accepted that. But for us, we have life. For us, we have eternal life. And you sometimes may not sense or feel it. And I know this morning that's the truth for some of us. But you have eternal life. Now, here in the present, you're alive with Jesus. And we have that resource available. I want us to stand at that point, please. Because it's going to come back to where's your security? Is it in my camper van or in Jesus? When life's really smooth and happy and fine and all's going really well, it sort of doesn't matter because they're both the same. Well, I'm not saying the camper van is Jesus, but you know what I mean. But when it's tough... Where do I find security? And I want this morning just to pray for us that those of us who are in that tough place, it's almost as a sort of family want to put a hand around you and say, yeah, sometimes it is tough. But the truth is that you have eternal life, that you have life with him. Just stand in that place for a minute. In the present, in this moment, just sense his gift of life. And let the truth infuse you. can respond in a minute in worship some of you may want we put the healing well at the front we put uh, this space which we have in church now just sort of a marker a place where you want to come and sit and if for you this morning you'd like someone to pray for you particularly pray over you as you engage with God's spirit to come and sit there actually yeah or come and stand or come and kneel and a couple of us will be there to pray for you there's two, I think there's two things. One is the raising up of Jesus' name, celebrating Jesus, that celebration, that thankfulness. And the second is just pushing into that assurance, that knowledge that he loves us, he's given us his spirit and that we have eternal life now, that in this moment, he is present here. So Father,
Come by your spirit and deal with your people. Help us to yeah, be honest and truthful about that. About where we are this morning. And let your spirit minister to us. Come Holy Spirit and do your gracious work in our hearts and lives. Come Holy Spirit.